Live from Gutter Cat Studios in the Metaverse, it's time for another episode of the Crazy About Crypto Show. And now here's your host, Crazy Carl. Hello. Welcome to everyone that's joined the spaces. And if you're listening to the podcast, hello to you from all around the world. And welcome to the Crazy About Crypto Show, an interactive live podcast on Twitter spaces for anyone exploring crypto and wanting to learn from others that have already dived into the space. From NFT artists to savvy crypto investors to everyday people just like you and I, this is a place where we can come together and learn about this new wave of innovation. Today's guest is another example of someone wildly successful in corporate America turning their conviction to the future of the web as we know it. Formerly head of marketing at Sony and Atari, he is an expert in all things marketing, growth, strategy, and online entrepreneurship. With those kinds of credentials, it may be hard to believe that now he spends a lot of his time on Twitter spaces helping educate, onboard, and motivate others to dive into Web3 and blockchain technology. But when you hear his passion for the space and the technology behind it, it becomes clear that he is just ahead of the curve again. It is my true honor to share the stage with a true pioneer in this community, Lucas Bean. What's going on, Lucas? Hey, glad to be here, my friend. Oh, it's a, it's a, such an honor to share space with you because you are such an advocate of um, crypto and blockchain and NFTs and always holding spaces live as well. And it's just uh, it's, it's such an important thing to continue to educate the community about this new, uh, this new innovation, this new disruptor. And I'm glad that you're a part of it. So to start, just chat with us um, for a couple minutes about your journey into crypto or NFTs, whatever came first. Yeah, sure. So I started in crypto back in 2012. Uh, I had a creative director working for me and he came into my office and he's like, I quit. And I'm like, oh, no, like, what could we do to keep you? You're such a great creative director. And he goes, no, I don't need to work ever again. I invested (laughs) in Bitcoin a year ago and now I'm rich and I'm sailing away in a boat that I have in the harbor right now and you'll never see me again. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and that's the day I invested in Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> smart, so, smart uh, man. Yeah, so I invested in Bitcoin, um, kind of got out of Bitcoin in 2014, then uh, basically found my way back to crypto again in 2017, got some, you know, was in, get, investing in Ethereum pretty heavily, then kind of like stopped really paying attention to the ticker in 2018 and, you know, basically was just chilling for a while, uh, doing, you know, basically just working and, you know, investing in traditional uh, stocks and stuff like that. So afterwards, I got back into the crypto and NFT space in August of 2020 when someone, a couple of people actually, first it was one person, but another person after it, asked me to help them do strategy and marketing for their NFT one-of-one collections. And I was like, I know what an NFT is in theory, but I, you know, like I was like, explain to me how this people are going to want to buy this. Mm-hmm. So I was I was a little skeptical myself, but it was you know it was during the pandemic. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to help. Here's the strategy. Here's the marketing tactics you could take. And his art sold very very quickly. One a collection of ten one of ones for like twenty thirty ETH each. And I was like, wow, like holy cow. So uh, I helped another person right after that with some strategy and marketing. And then they sold a couple of NFTs right away too. For I think first one was twenty six ETH. 
and a couple of other ones of ones and like I'm, they they had huge distribution at the time too, so it wasn't like it was really hard to make strategy and marketing for them plans for them. And then I minted my own first NFT ever, October of 2020, because I'm like, wait, let me go through the process of minting my own and just see how it works. Mm -hmm. And someone bought it. And I was like, <laughs> what? I'm like, what's going on here? It wasn't a lot of money. It was like 400 bucks, 300 bucks, something like that. Uh -huh. I can't remember exactly the price, but yeah, I got into the NFT space, and then I, I mean. I was already into the, into the crypto space. And then back in December, I bought into Doge. And I, I put a bunch of, like, not a bunch of money, but like $1,000 into Doge. And from there, it's just I got into back into crypto like heavily. I was just like, man, there's not a lot to do during the pandemic. NFTs and Doge is awesome. And I just kept following the NFT space and, and, and crypto space like crazy. And uh, I noticed like the crypto space became uh, pretty toxic for a while there. So it was like people, you know, pe you know, people that were representing like a certain cryptocurrency versus another cryptocurrency. And there was like infighting. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like found my home back in NFT space where everybody was just like helping everybody. Everybody was friendly, all that stuff. There was no toxicity. Everybody's winning together. So I just focused all of my efforts basically on that. And Watching crypto, you know, go up and down on a daily basis is a very anxiety-driven thing. You know, mm -hmm. you're watching the charts, you're watching the candles go to green and then go to red and then green. And it's like huge swings. So it's a kind of a stressful thing. And I just stayed with, you know, collectibles. And I started seeing these collectibles like, like kind of like in my own mind, like as the future of like NFTs for right now. And I would just got, I just dove head first into like full on, like I am an NFT maximalist now because I was just like, <laughs> I already knew enough about it. I knew how to mark, you know, market and promote them and what was successful, what wasn't things like that. So I was just like, you know what? NFTs is where it's at. I already know it's the future. I knew it was, I knew it was the future ahead of time. Just, you know, we had to catch up to it and uh, people have to catch up to it and adopt it. And from there, I've just been full on NFTs just every single day. Uh, like I said, with me and my co-host Amy, we do, uh, you know, basically spaces eight, probably eight to 10 hours a day minimum. Um, it's really like probably more than that, but you know, we're on all the time for, and we haven't missed a day in five months. Yeah. You guys so really on, are. Yeah. 2,900 hours on, uh, spaces and audio casting and yeah, we don't mess around. We show up and you know, it's all about putting in the reps and being consistent. So I love it. Uh, I've got I've got a couple follow up questions to your story. So let's sure. just I'm going to go through a couple of them. So the first thing is um, after I think that a lot of people enter the space um, after they hear friends or family or coworkers that are in the space that have done well. I think it's a very common like onboarding tool. And you see as more and more people do well in the space, there's more and more attention to it when it goes mainstream. Uh, it's in the news more after 2017, 18. Um, and so I'm curious, I mean, it's one thing to, uh, it's almost like I have a lot of, I have several friends and family that are into it now, but I only have out of you know, if I out of maybe 10% of those that are really dedicated to learning and investing and like have conviction about the space, one of them being uh, my brother who's in here right now. Um, so oh, I'm nice. curious, uh, what is it? When did you kind of have like that moment of conviction? You heard the story of Bitcoin and like this guy doing really well. But when did you like really start to understand like the disruptive power of what it could do for our society? 
Well, I understood that back in 2011 when he first explained it to me, but I thought it was, again, in my my naivete, I would say that I was like, yeah, this is just a, you know, a digital currency for a bunch of guys who are like, you know, trading currency around, like tipping each other, um, doing things like that. So I was just like, you know what? I don't know if this will take off. I'm not mm-hmm. really sure it could be something. But in 2012, I realized the power of it because people were, first off, people were getting rich from it. And then I also saw the decentralization of like how it worked. And I was like, okay, so cryptocurrency really is, you know, it, it basically takes the power away from all these banks and yeah. knowing that it takes the power away from all these banks that then could go under. So I, I'm a, I'm a student of history and I think back to the, you know, the great depression and how all these banks became unsolvent during that time period because they made bad choices, bad investments, bad things happen because people, the people that were in charge, it was centralized. So if they Mm. made a bad decision, all your money goes away. And that's why they created the FDIC. Now with cryptocurrency, you don't have protection like that. You are your own security. You can't call customer support. And uh, you know, there's goods and bads with this where you can't call customer support and say, Hey, I lost my seed phrase or I lost my password. But at the same time, you being the custodian of your own wealth, you could literally fly somewhere to another country, and if they accept cryptocurrency, you bring your bank with you in your pocket. Right, yeah. It doesn't matter where you are in the world, your bank travels with you. You don't get denied by your banking system if you're on vacation somewhere, and they, they turn your card off because they go, oh, strange transactions happened, you can't use your card anymore. No, not with crypto. You can use it anywhere you want to, and that's on. That's up to you. So it's a fascinating thing, and I knew right away in 2012 that it would be the future, but we were just, again, there's a lot of things that did not take off because they were too early, and I think crypto at that time was too early and people were not willing to adopt it. But now, with this Web3 forward slash uh, NFT space and crypto space that's literally taken off during the pandemic. Like this is where people have actually seen the power of this work. And it also make, makes uh, crypto also allows people to have the access to after hours markets. Like mm-hmm. retail investors now has the now have the access as these big investment institutions where you know the stock market opens and closes, um, but they have after hours market trading where. We, the retail investors, can now have that same power. 24-7, you could be trading crypto. At any time, you could exchange crypto. So that's the pow- That's another really cool feature of crypto and the power of it. So I saw that, like I said, early on, that it gave the retail investors the power. And then I, I also saw a bunch of investments in investment banking, like going and, and funding these crypto exchanges. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. So this even these guys are bullish on crypto. So... Now this is going to be this is going to be something. So in 2017, I knew it was going to be something huge. So yeah, that's why I kept my crypto investments in 2017 and didn't get out when I did in 2014. So yeah, uh, yeah, and, and that's similar. I think we hear that a lot in in this space. Is like um, a lot of the people there was there's waves, and one of those big waves happened in 2017 or 18, where it was like people that knew about the space maybe dabbled into it. They didn't know if it would take off, but that was really for me too the moment where I was like, this is never going to go away. This is staying and going to change our history as we know it. People are going to look back and study 
you know, w- uh, this currency that, that was, that's fair and created um, because of this uh, decentralized technology is so fascinating that it happened in, in our human history too, you know, like in our generation, we kind of um, are catering it into existence. And it's so crazy to even think in hundreds of years from now, um, how this continues to develop and the world that people live in, because it's it's hard to encompass, um, you know, even even six months from now, let alone hundreds of years of continued decentralized development. Um, And you you've been um, uh, in the tech space, uh, almost your entire career, career. And I was looking on your LinkedIn, I saw that you even did consulting for MySpace over 20 years ago, uh, yeah. which, which is just crazy. <laughs> so you've been ingrained in the evolution of Web2 since basically the beginning. Um, and I'm curious, what are some of the trends that you've noticed over the last 20 years that got us where we are today, uh, in terms of like the need for decentralization? Well, first off, I was in Web1. Um, I started in Web1. And I went through the market crash of, uh, you know, 2000, 2001, there where all the dot coms kind of like mm-hmm. had a really hard time. And then I, you know, I got recruited out of graduate school to work at a, you know, uh, a fintech company. But yeah, I was, I consulted for MySpace during the time they actually got bought by Fox. So it was definitely interesting. That was 05. So it wasn't exactly 20 years ago. It was like 16 years ago, okay. but you know, close, close enough, you know, let's just say close enough. Um, so the trends I've seen in terms of like, making decentralized things like this happen is that again when you start a company or let's just say if you're talking about crypto or are we, are we talking about nfts right now so that's either the, that's either i'm just curious i think more of my curiosity stems from like um even some of the creators of these big corporations, like even uh, Mark Zuckerberg, I think there could be an argument that when he started, he really believed in just the potential of being able to help people connect to each other. But at sure. some point, there's like this monetization that's needed that kind of ruins the what the creation was uh, originally developed for. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Again, decentralization kind of like takes the power into your own hands in a way where you actually take the power away from the companies. So, I mean, at the end of the day, there will be centralization that actually does happen with a lot of this stuff. So, again, there's gatekeepers in, in communities, no matter what you do. You can build a community all you want, depending on – it doesn't really matter whether it's decentralized or centralized. There will always be these, uh, you know, large influencers that will literally take over the space. And, you know, again, there will always be a top 1% to 5% in any kind of community. Now, when it comes to financial stuff, um, like – we still rely on markets and market makers for cryptocurrencies a lot, right? So if there's exchanges, the exchanges are a centralized company that Mm -hmm. control cryptocurrency. So theoretically we are controlled by centralized banks because those are the centralization of cryptocurrency. So, um, but what we could learn, we could definitely learn from stuff from back, like just say web point one, uh, the crash of those first dot coms where they, they had a PowerPoint presentation and a dream, which we called vaporware. You know, you didn't really have anything except for like a, power, a really cool PowerPoint presentation of what you wanted to do for work or for what your company was going to do. Some of these projects we see coming up right now in terms of the NFT space or even in terms of like tokens, they have these great ideas of what they want to do with their company and they have a roadmap or what they call a white paper of like what they plan to do and why, how it's going to work and 
What they're really doing is exactly the same thing, though. Most cases, not all cases, but most cases, they don't really have a plan they actually have to stick to. Let's just say say a a 10,000 collection sells out. They then go, hey, I got the funding. Now what? How do we make this actually really successful for all of us? And I don't think it's disingenuous. I just think these folks, like... They want to they want to create hype and a, a great um, no, marketing tactics to get these avatars sold. And once people are basically bought into a community, they have a vested interest in making that community successful, yeah. whether it be crypto, whether it be NFTs. Mm-hmm. So if you buy cryptocurrency, a decentralized you know uh, currency, you want that currency to be successful. And that's why you find pools of these Bitcoin people that are literally Bitcoin, 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 mm-hmm. and maximalists, yeah, as they Bitcoin call them. Yeah, Bitcoin maxis, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they say, there is no other coin, Bitcoin only, otherwise, you know, you don't exist to me. The same thing, in theory, um, happens in all of these categories, except for the NFT community, where everybody, every community is actually welcoming to all the other communities. And again, what's cool about it is everybody wins at the same time. When you build a community in, in the NFT space... You build a vested interest in that community because they're all investors. Mm-hmm. And then they all want to take part in that community and they're very active compared to, say, Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. You're not you don't have as much vested interest in those platforms because those are just social media platforms. And that's why you see these social media platforms rushing to get involved in Web3 and especially in NFTs, because they realize 10K projects. Uh, soon there'll be 30k projects or you know they're adding on like board api club added mutant apes which added another 20,000 members they now have the ability to create and just grow this membership base over and over again and when you are a vest you have a vested interest as in being an investment in that community by buying let's just say that token that is an avatar you are buying access mm-hmm. and you're buying hey i want to be an active member of this community and here I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Let's all let's go. You know yeah. I mean? Let's let's go. Let's, let's go. I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah. that's why people I, get so hyped I, I don't up. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but <laughs> yeah, no, let's fucking go. That's right. Let's fucking go. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what they think. Let's fucking go, guys. Let's do this. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, it's it, there's so many parallels between um, the ICO craze. If you if you've been around, you know, a few years and this current yeah. uh, market because. You know, you do. You have good actors and bad actors, like you said. Everyone is trying to basically, um, to basically get gain interest and then gain funding for whatever it is. It's just a lot of crowdsourcing. That's what ICOs Correct. was, and that's what this yep. is with NFTs. And then once you have that funding, then it's a matter of kind of building off of it. And so you see some that struggle because they're either not great teams. Um, but I mean, it just, there. I love that you said that because there are so many parallels between when the ICO and the, the alt coins kind of took off in 2017-18 and what's happening right now in the nft space with the exception that like you said like in with the altcoins it did feel like everyone's kind of competing against each other who's the best decks who's the best at this market this niche and in this space it is much more community-led and so i guess my question my next question would be about kind of this transformation of where we're seeing kind of nfts turn into cultural identity 
identity and um, you want to make sure the identity of whatever you're representing has a positive culture too because we are kind of a face of what we invest in. Like if I buy a gutter cat and then I go around talking shit on every other community, they start to hate, you know, the gutter cats. And so, and you see some of, some people try to do this and the broader community tries to get them in check most of the time. But I'm curious, um, what do you think about kind of the cultural aspect of what's happening right now in terms of the NFT movement? And now like TikTok just meant, just announced they're going to be getting in. How important is it that everyday people kind of start feeling like they can, they have a relevant way that without having like financial background to be able to take, uh, find their place in this type of community? Well, that's interesting for you to say. I, it's a very good question as well. And it, I think it's actually one that's pretty interesting and easy to answer. It's, I think people, whatever you identify with in terms of art, you could actually get behind and become part of that community. So I think it's actually easier to understand NFTs than it is to like try and grow a presence on TikTok, to try and grow a presence on Instagram. It's actually, hey, as soon as you buy this membership card, everybody's accepting to you. Mm -hmm. So I, I try to equate it back to, um, I have a story I tell about this where it's, you know, there's a, there's a, a guy who works uh, as a plumber and he's standing in a bar having a beer and there's a guy who runs a billion dollar hedge fund, walks into the bar and they both are watching TV. On, on the TV, there's, there's a, their favorite sports team. They both have something in common. All of a sudden, they both start rooting for the same team and they start, both start like giving each other high fives. Okay, all of a sudden, the, the plumber buys the hedge fund manager a beer and all of a sudden, they're best friends for the next 20 minutes, right? Giving each other high fives, this is my favorite team. And then one of them leaves. Then one of them leaves, like basically one of them leaves. They both, they both don't know each other and they'll never see each other again. But during that time period, they were like best of friends. Mm -hmm. So that's what the NFT space actually does. Doesn't matter about your socioeconomic background, race, color, religion, nothing, gender, nothing. You're, an, you're your avatar and you belong to that community instantly. And yeah. even if you don't have one of those avatars or you can't afford one of those avatars, that's why some of these communities are actually releasing add-on avatars. You know, like they're dropping other types of avatars like the mutant apes versus the board apes and so that they're more affordable entry points. And I think, I think NFTs are the easiest onboarding tool in the cryptocurrency space. Mm -hmm. People can understand collectibles more than they can understand cryptocurrency. So if you can understand a collectible and how you want to like look at that item, it's easier to understand like, oh, I'm buying this and now I'm part of this community because this is my 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 Pokemon card to get into it. Like this is my avatar to get into that community and have everybody accept me. And like all of a sudden everybody starts following you on Twitter because you have that same avatar and everybody's like genuinely willing to talk to each other because they all see that you're actually part of that community or part of the NFT community. And I actually see that as, a, as like, that's, this is why I see social media companies like literally running to catch up to the NFT space because I think, let's just say the Lazy Lions and the Bored Ape Yacht Club and the Cool Cats and the Robotos, all those communities start working together. You'll see a thousand times more engagement from communities like that than someone that has a million followers on like Instagram or Twitter. Mm -hmm. that's the power of 
shared investment into a community, when they put their money where their mouths are and buy into a community, because they all have this vested interest. So you'll see like 50 to 80% interaction versus you post something on Twitter or Instagram and you see something like 10% interaction from your entire audience. Mm -hmm. So I, that's why I see, and I think Twitter's like a thousand leagues head of everybody else oh, in the NFT space. Yeah. The NFT space literally lives, eat, and breathes on Twitter and Discord, but mostly on Twitter. I mean, I, that's why I spend so much time on Twitter because this is where my people are. Like, yeah. This is where the NFT space is. And I, it's, I've made better friends on Twitter spaces in the NFT space than I actually have in, in real life. Yeah. And that might sound weird, but it's just true. Like they're just genuinely good people. And I had some of these people, I don't even know their real names. I don't mm -hmm. even know what they look like. I right. just know their avatars. And, <laughs> I, it's, uh, and I think that's such a cool aspect <laughs> of it, too, because we've gotten to this point where you see so much um, psych psychological um, warfare within like within real communities and, and especially younger our younger generation because of, you know, Im body image issues, the things that we've kind of put out into the media, what it's like to look hot. You know, the people that have a million Instagram followers are ones that are models and it, or they're celebrities status so everyone um, can try to reach to achieve these goals when you have an when you have a goal to become a bored ape or a gutter cat or a cool cat it's totally different because it's because you want to be involved in a community of people there's no there's there's there has no effect on how you think about yourself or your your body or and I think that's a powerful thing too I actually love like the building of an anonymous avatar because I think we need a lot of you know you don't need to you don't need to show who you are to be successful in the space because it's it goes back to the content of your character and what you put into the space that's rewarded and not you know what you look like or uh, what movie you were in absolutely 100% agree that you're right there's a lot of like lifestyle marketing that happens on Instagram uh, is a great example that it's just it's hard to penetrate number one because it's just so much noise and there, it's really hard to make no enough noise to stand out in the mess that's there it, the same thing happens on twitter too there's lots of lifestyle marketing there's a, a lot of lifestyle marketers of actually uh you know life coaches like and and lifestyle marketers that have tried to like come into the nft space and i can tell you it's very disingenuous and people see right through it and the avatar does take away all those restrictions, all those things that made people, you know, oh, you can't be some something like this. You could be anything you want to be in the NFT space as long as it, you get what you give. You get what you give. Mm -hmm. You get what you put into it, right? Yeah. So if you give, if you give a lot to the community and help, it doesn't matter who you are. Like mm -hmm. you're gonna get rewarded because it just comes back to you tenfold. And I think that's, I think that's everything though across every aspect of life. If you give without expecting anything in return, number one, you'll just be a happier person because you won't have expectations of anybody. Mm -hmm. But number two, you do that in the NFT space and it just comes back to you. It always does, you, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, because yeah, it does. And, and if you have to, if you're a good person, people will suss that out really quickly. And if you're, and if you're a bad person, they'll absolutely identify that as well. And that's the content of your character, not what you look like. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. So I, I couldn't agree more. And I'm glad that you, you kind of elaborated on it too, because I, I mean, it's one of those, the, the things I'm most passionate about that. I just, I just hate seeing the culture that we've created where everyone has, you know, issues with how they look or what they, uh, who they are. It's like, you just love yourself. And that's, I feel like this space is very much accepting of everyone. And, you know, there's, like you said, these communities are going to find outlets to continue to bring on broader and broader spectrum of people, regardless of kind of financial, uh, what their financial stability or what their financial situation is like. I think that's going to be the end goal. And you see it already, like with the paper cats, with the cool cats, finding a really low entry point just so someone can relate to a community still and I think we'll continue to see that and I'm excited that we'll the onboarding is just beginning for 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 something that could really help humanity in in a lot of ways but especially when it comes to just being able to be yourself and uh, be someone that that when you put out good in the world, it just comes back to you. Like you said, like if I, if we start to change how we act and you already see it with some characters in the space, like you, you definitely have this balance of, um, good and evil, I feel like. And a lot of people I've posted about how I spend more time, I was able to like randomly go with my daughter to the pumpkin patch because I don't have to rely on my nine to five in the middle of the week. And a lot of people get really excited about that. But when you have that opportunity, finally, it's also like there's a balance, like you have to always make sure to constantly reevaluate yourself because I could get sucked into this. And you know, I won't, it wouldn't matter if I had time for my daughter because I could be on my computer literally every second of the day because I love this community, but it's a constant balance and we're trying to become better people and try to put better into the world. And we need to always constantly reevaluate and make sure that that is the face of this space is just being the best person we can be. Absolutely. And I, I, I think balance is different for everybody. And you're, what you're right, what you're, you know, what you define as a balanced life is different for somebody else. Like uh, for myself, exactly. I, I actually, my my balance is when I when my hobby and my passion and my work all intersect like that's my balance. Oh or, hell yeah! Yeah, and when and you can do what, what you love yeah. for your job, like that's the that's ultimate. The yeah. That's that's it. Web three and NFTs is exactly given me all of it. Yeah. So I think that is the. I've I've never woken up with so much passion and energy than when I started when I, when I dove headfirst into the NFT and Web three space and now like I have I literally feel like I have some of the best friends I've ever had in my life yeah because of this you know so I get I think the balance is I've actually met folks from the NFT space in real life yeah and yeah same they're same. just as good as people that I I first of all that I never would have bumped into these people in my walks of life because I've been a you know, a tech executive for a long time in, in the in the startup and tech space for a while, and they just would never have crossed my path. But the NFTs connected us, mm-hmm. and now when I met them in real life, I feel like they're literally been my friends for years. Because the, you know how the NFT space is; it's literally one day or two days in the NFT space is like a month, and if you miss a day or two, it's like you're missing a very very long time. Yeah, so it, it does feel like that. It really does, and, it, and it's crucial. And right now is a the golden time, like a renaissance time for NFT space. So we all have to really, really enjoy it because there will be a gold rush flood of like uh, normal people that come into this space that you know that will change this space forever. 
mm-hmm. in a good way and a bad way. There'll be a lot of people flooding in thinking, you know, lots of get rich quick schemes, or, or at least they will think they can get rich. Then they're going to go, wow, this wasn't as easy as I thought. Now I'm going to leave the space and they're going to have bad taste in their mouth and yeah. tell everybody how bad it was for them. But for us, we came into the space, I mean, theoretically, we're all pioneers in this space right now. Yeah. And what I like about, and what I like about, I just have to say another positive thing about Twitter. Like, first off, they've given us these spaces, but now they're giving us this amazing ability to like verify with our wallets, like avatars in our wallets. I don't know if you saw this or not. Yes, I did. And and allows, that's huge. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It allows us to verify our wallets and verify our, our, our basically our avatars. And then it's going to have like an Ethereum symbol next to our profiles. And it'll say, yeah, this person confirmed owns this avatar and mm-hmm. that's the new our, our, our basically our profiles our avatars are going to become our new kind of like validation of like who we are hey mm-hmm. that that person does own that and guess what that is that person because we confirmed it on the blockchain yeah that is a huge step forward i don't i can't imagine another uh, social platform that's doing this and i have to say like it's just i'm just feel lucky to be a part of twitter now and the community now even though i've been on twitter for you know 13 14 years it's uh it's just amazing renaissance for nfts crypto and also just amazing renaissance to see twitter just completely wholeheartedly embracing it and just like moving forward with this new initiative i'm just excited to be a part of it and twitter is amazing for doing so i'm just yeah I saw you Couldn't be a better social network. Yeah, I saw you kind of connecting. I mean, when you know because you've been in the space a while that there's been a lot of attempts to create like these crypto social networks and it's never really worked or panned out and it's because it's not where everyone's already at and Twitter's realized, you know, like people are already here, it's easy to join because there are so many people here. Let's like let's continue to find ways to bring this like bring the space here and I think it is like you said, really smart. And it's just, uh, it, and then it'll also be our responsibility to make sure as it continues, you know, I, because it, they're, they're going to continue to add functionality. And at the end of the day, they still have to make money. So then, you know, they'll take a, a small cut, but they're already creating features with like the super follow and like these, cause where you can create your own community chat and stuff like that, that I think will be really powerful to being able to, um, to be able to develop even further kind of the communities that we've already established. Yeah. And it also, it's all, it also creates anonymity, right? So Twitter is already decentralized and, and like you already don't have to give your real identity on here, which mm-hmm. is basically a, a tenant. Uh, you know what I mean? Like to cryptocurrency in general, like the NFT space, you could be anonymous yet still be a trusted person with a, you know, a, just a, a username and like your, your pseudonym. It doesn't have to be you. And that lends well to the, again, the decentralization and, you know, people can be anonymous on crypto, even though, you know, you can't financially be, you know, independent from, from the government or anything like that, but you can be when it comes to what you're doing on, and that's why Twitter's so great. It literally already has this anonymity built into it. So that's really, really cool. And I, there's just so many things you can do. And yeah, of course, Twitter's doing the right things in terms of building community, the community part of it, um, the new feature of community. Uh, they're they're doing the super follows. They're doing the tip jar. They're doing the uh, you know paid spaces, all that stuff. They're doing all sorts of like yeah. very interesting things to help creators in general monetize their audiences, which mm-hmm. is definitely fascinating. And it keeps them on 
inside the Twitter experience, which is which yeah. is great, yeah. a great tool as well. So it's it's the uh, it's it's the OG metaverse, and people don't realize like <laughs> this really is, is this is the metaverse. <laughs> we are in it, and it's just going to be continued to play out. But it's like in the evolution of technology, you kind of you don't realize when things are happening, but that's exactly what's happening right now. It's just an evolution of the space. Yeah, it really is. And when you set audio on top of a social network that has network effects, you create something that's unbelievably powerful and unstoppable as well. So if you try to compare this to other like audio channels or that are out there that I will not name, you cannot like you just can't beat the network effects of audio on top of a social network. Mm -hmm. It's just it just amplifies everything plus adding all these features that support the NFT community and the decentralization um, community, crypto community, like this is where it lives. I mean, yeah. there's no other place. Like you can't, it, there's no putting the genie back in the bottle. Twitter won. Yeah. Um, it's their A, it's basically their A to lose. So they're, they've already got the A. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. can't imagine them losing now because we've, we've just so like, I, they got the right leadership spaces. too. Yeah. I mean, there's so many yep, people in the organization do. that believe in in what what the potential of crypto and blockchain is, and absolutely. it's it's pretty awesome to see that them completely embracing it. Okay, I have to ask this because it's been on my mind sure. since you talked about you know you were in the early in um, the late '90s and early 2000s, the dot com boom, and seeing and you you already mentioned how much of pioneers we really are in this space. So I'm curious if you could even relate where we're at today to where you felt like maybe in, in the dot-com boom and the hype that happened, are we not even to the point yet of getting close to, to the boom in terms of people flowing in? Is there going to be a space where a lot of people try to get into crypto and NFTs that end up getting hurt uh, financially by it? What are some of the risks um, of like, of, of rapid development in the space quickly in, in your mind? Well, any kind of any kind of market that rapidly like has this giant boom always has a pullback or a correction. So there there will be that, but I don't think it's going to be like what happened in 2000 2001 because that's when I entered the space was literally the year 2000 is when I really got into like the dot com space and the tech space. Mm -hmm. So when I saw it happening, there's it's there's just no way that could actually repeat itself exactly just because we're, I think we're smarter people in the crypto space. Mm -hmm. I think we're smarter folks in the NFT space. We're all early adopters. We're all pioneers right now in this space that we're even, we're even talking in right now. So I think there will be a correction, but it won't be until, I mean, there already are corrections daily, right? We right. find projects yeah, that come out and, you know, that all of a sudden you find out like they were just in it to make money and they don't really care, care about community. And that's we have that going on even probably today. There's probably a collection that drops today or two that's literally just trying to get make some money. So those corrections are happening daily. So when there's going to be a big correction, it's not going to be for a while. Yeah, because I love that you, you say that it. though too. Because in in um, yeah. the dot com, it's like when when one person gets fearful, everyone does. But when in this space, like if you hold, if you, it's it's a whole different experience holding a board ape versus a 
I, I don't even know of something that launches and then basically dies. Uh, but, but you know, there's a completely different feeling. And I feel like um, the two things are happen. Like one, like you said, like these adjustments will happen over time where developers and creators that lose respect will start to just leave the space because no one's going to buy their stuff anymore. And the people that... Uh, unfortunately, innocent people that lose money, either they're going to learn from their lessons or they're going to leave and then come back later on. Um, but at some point, you know, like you said, it's almost less like it's more natural development of the space because you have bad actors always or people that are trying to do cash grabs and they they may be successful one or two times. And then you also have the other, like the people that are investing, that they, they're going to learn lessons from their mistakes and they're not going to want to repeat them on smaller scales as they, you know, continue to invest. Yeah. Well, there's also the thing where, like, if you have to think, think about this, like how many people access the web via their phone right now? It's like 70 to 80 percent people access the web via their phone. So right now there's almost zero mobile support for a lot of these platforms like Rarible and OpenSea. There's like very little mobile support for these wallets. The wallets are really cumbersome and hard to work with. So if you add up all, and I actually tweeted about this, there's like literally we are, we're, I hate to say the nomenclature, we're so early, but we're so early that people, until these tools are made easy and accessible and the user user experiences are mobily supported where you can actually add money and not have to wait five to 10 days for money to transfer over into like cryptocurrency to even get into some of these projects. We are, there's not even, there's not even a chance for some of these folks to even get into the space because their, their attention spans and their, basically their patience is very low. Even me, Mm -hmm. I, and I'm a user experience guy. Like if you have a bad user experience, most people just don't come back. Like when you try to sign up for a MetaMask, you have to remember your seed phrases. You have to transfer funds in from another location. Like, just think about how cumbersome that that is for people to get into the space. We're not even close to seeing folks get into the space until these wallets, until these uh, platforms, until these marketplaces are mobile friendly. We're nowhere near that yet. And when I see that that's when we start to see people start to adopt, but we won't see that probably until next year. So I would say we probably won't see that until like Q2 of next year where all these wallets and exchanges actually work really, really well on mobile. Mm -hmm. And that's when you're going to see a flood of people coming in and everybody needs an avatar. Some are out like basically outpriced of some of these avatars, right? So these, these alternative avatars, will be accessible to these folks. Mm -hmm. Much like, and I, I don't want to use the example of crypto, but in the crypto space, there was a, a coin of the people. You know, Doge was a coin of the people. People could have, basically people could afford it mm -hmm. to get into like Doge, where some people couldn't afford a $4,000, you know, full coin of Ethereum or, you know, whatever, $50,000 $50, Bitcoin. Yeah. And well, most and... people don't want that either. So they want, they want to have a punk, but they can't afford a crypto punk. They want to. So there's going to be a lot of avatars like needed. I think the demand is just a giant, like huge iceberg out there waiting to come into the space. And once we give, once we make the door bigger for them, mm. the iceberg could fit through the door. But right now the door is the size of a, a head of a pin. <laughs> so until that happens, 
Yeah. So we can make that door just a little bit bigger, maybe the size of a quarter, then the size of you know something larger and larger and larger. That once we open the door to these folks, they will come flooding in. Once we make it easier, they will all come flooding in. But we're not even close to that yet. And I think it's like I said, I think we're so early that this is the time for us as pioneers and early adopters to actually start making our own community standards and rules around this stuff so that we actually have a good baseline of things where we're like, Hey guys, you know, here's how we find bad actors. Here's how we find good actors. Mm -hmm. Here's what we do with bad actors. Here's what we do with good actors. Here's how we, you know what I mean? Like we got to just start like literally kind of like policing ourselves as our own community because we are decentralized. Yeah. So we have to kind of help each other out navigate and we have to also set up tools so that when all these people do flood in they aren't hurt mm -hmm. like we like most of us have been hurt by some of the by a lot of these projects and cryptocurrencies as well yeah so yeah. we need to be able to say hey here are all the tools you need to learn and educate yourself on okay now you're able to go in here and find these things and find these tools so that you won't you, there's like we can't cut down on all the bad actors we can definitely greatly reduce them by creating tools for folks when that floodgate opens, they don't get hurt because we've been through it. Yeah, I couldn't so. agree more, too, because we've, uh, you know, I love that you say we've been through it because anyone that's been successful or made it in the space, I mean, it, unless they're one of the luckiest people in the world, they've they had to have had a couple big learning moments where either they lost something big or, you know, you there's just so many things between understanding the projects, um, understanding, you know, the, the economics behind the project, uh, and then really a big one, which we're finding out, understanding the importance of the decentralized wallet and protection and safety and understanding that you're your own custodian. Um, all of these things are things that, like, for someone that's just getting in, uh, it's hard to go from, oh, I could just right-click save that to understanding all of the tools behind it. And so, like you said, it's going to be very important as we continue to onboard people to make it easier so that uh, the goal of, you know, this show, and I'm sure the reason you're on Spaces so much is that, you know, if the the tens of thousands of dollars I lost in the space before I made anything, if we can stop that from happening, the space will grow faster because we can we can make sure people are making smarter decisions from the get-go uh, because they have, you know, a trusted source to go to. Um, Absolutely. So Absolutely. I'm I am curious because you do you've you've just talked about earlier how you've done over 2,900 hours on spaces and you talk to so many people and you're helping educate and um, just I already shouted you out but it's so much appreciation for that and thank you for um, dedicating so much of your time to helping this community. Uh, I'd love to know what are some of the biggest trends you've noticed with people that are just joining. They're trying to figure out where to go. What are some of the lessons that you talk to them about and then also some of the most common errors or, or you know mistakes they make when they come to you um, I'm just curious what you've seen from like the those people that are coming in uh, right now and, and are just starting their journey um, what I've seen the most of is folks coming in especially on Twitter uh, artists getting into the NFT space and they're like how come when I tweet I no one buys my stuff right away. Like no one just goes and purchases <laughs> my photography. Right. No one just goes and and buys any you know my my painting you know that I did in you know like whether it was a real world painting that they then 
it into a you know a graphical re representation or I or they're a graphic artist and like why aren't they buying my art and it's like well you know it's uh it's interesting like you need to come in and put in time in this space for people to get to know you because at the end of the day people like buying from other people and then they also like buying from buying narratives like your story like yes. you want to mm -hmm. know the story behind your art you can't just tweet into the void and expect someone to just be like, oh, well, I just found your art because you tweeted. And a lot of folks that are artists, they, don't, they're not, they are not the best marketers, and that's okay, right? Mm -hmm. And that's okay. They should be doing what they do best. If they're a great photographer, they should do that. If they're great at you know, painting, they should do that. If they're great at graphic design, whatever their, their artwork is, they should do that. And then there are people that could help them market their art. And I would say... 95% of making or having people buy your art is telling good stories and marketing yourself. Mm -hmm. So you actually kind of have to treat yourself like a singular, your own business. And part of business is marketing. And you're not marketing, again, you're not marketing to convince people to buy your art. You're marketing to people to find people that already agree with your art, that already agree with your style of art. So again, that's what I find interesting is that a lot of folks think that they're just going to tweet or they're just going to pin a tweet somewhere or come into a space and people are just going to buy their art. Um, no, you actually have to put in time, get to know people, create relationships and tell your story. When people be, feel like they're part of like your journey, uh, that's when people buy from you. They feel connected. Mm -hmm. They feel like they know you. And that's the most important piece I've noticed in, at least in my spaces is that, they don't really understand that you can't just mint something and it's going to sell. Yeah. You have to create distribution. Distribution yeah. is your followers and they're not going to follow you. If you put out buy my art every two seconds on your, on your Twitter, it's like, here's my open C, here's my open C like, okay, that's just, you know, spamming your, your timeline. Mm -hmm. Like you have to actually put out information, create narratives, create threads, create stories, create videos around why and how you created your art. Let people come along for the journey. And that's what changes everybody. That's mm -hmm. what people, again, people like buying from people that also like buying from their stories that become invested from the stories. They feel like they know the artist then regardless of what they what art they're doing. And then they're like, wow, I really feel like I know them and I want to support their journey. I'm going to buy that piece because not only do I like the art, I love the artist. Yeah, exactly. Like there's such a there's a human aspect yeah. to um, purchasing in the NFT space that that should never be ignored and is so important because it's something that's been lost. I feel like in the last couple of decades of um, you know d tech and development is even in the workplace you can work with a group of people for years and years and not really know much about their personal life um, be it, depending on you know the culture of the company and so it's such an important thing to be able to you know, get that back. And a big part of the reason I started this show, honestly, is to be able to talk to people and hear their journey. Because when, like you said, when you're able to talk to someone and you hear, you you can talk to them about themselves and get to know them. You, like you said, you feel connected. You you made a friend, and you wanna you wanna make sure that you're you're a part of their success and you can help them out when they need it. And I I just think it's so important. And I'm glad you said that. That's like. 
when you have someone that comes on stage and they've been in the room for a minute and they come up and they just start trying to shill something, it's like, no, you're not like it's an educational moment for them because they like people just don't realize that's not the way. That's not how you're going to make it in this community. You have to be authentic. You can't just come up and, you know, try to tell us that we need to buy your shitty art uh, because right now to me it's shitty because I don't know who you are and you're just coming up here blasting and ruining my show instead like take time to get to know me and maybe I'll think your art's really dope right and uh, well I, I would agree and I don't think any art is actually shitty I actually think that every art has a home every art has a buyer what I think people misinterpret when they come up to talk about their art is that let the art speak for itself for a second and then let people ask questions about the art. Like, Hey, I see you took that photo. It's amazing. What's the story leading up to that photo? Because you didn't just go and randomly you were just there. Uh, and there's no story behind that like photograph that you just took. There was a, Hey, I went to this great, I went to this great park and I was walking down this path and I saw this amazing view. I went down, I went to see this amazing view and it just took my breath away. It made me think of this or mm -hmm. that. Like, tell that story. I want to hear the story of how you captured that moment. And if you tell that story about capturing that moment or, hey, I didn't have my camera with me. So the next day I came back and it just wasn't the same. So I had to wait an entire month before that moment presented itself again. And I captured the moment again where the clouds hit just right. And it was like the perfect time to take that photo again and it took me a month to get there but i got it yeah and, and i agree that's the kind of story i want to hear you know that's what i want to hear i i and, and i appreciate that pushback too because that it's it is important to uh to acknowledge that 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 if someone if something comes from your soul or something if you have artwork like it is so it's such a part of your life that just because someone doesn't buy it immediately that doesn't that doesn't that shouldn't um that shouldn't dictate your self-worth. And I know that in, it's easy to say that, but it's such a human emotion, uh, emotional connection, especially when you put love into your artwork. And so, like you said, it's, uh, it's so important that if you, if you approach the space the right way and you help explain and let people see and learn about your journey, I think my, my point is, is that it's so important that, that, that is what is, um, that is encompassed that you're able to share your passion uh and not just i have this piece uh and instead like tell the story because the, even when you have celebrities entering the space like like des bryant's a good example with personal corners i finally got to hear him talk about his passion about why he's doing this and it's so much more valuable and makes me feel differently about the project because finally i'm hearing his story instead of just like over and over about this project's out here or like you need to go look at it like tell like get to know people and interact with them in the space and you start to build a lot of trust and respect and admiration for people yeah, it's the story that sells. It's not the buy, 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 buy. It's the story, 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 give, 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 story, story, story. Okay, if you like my art, you know, take a look at it. And you know what? People, you don't, people don't have to be told to buy your art, yeah. no matter what like medium it's in. They'll buy your art because they hear your story and you keep helping people. When you help people and you tell a really good story, People will just 
buy your art without you asking for it. You don't need to say buy. Yeah. People will. A hundred percent. So I, that's, that's what I see. All right. Well, we are going to go ahead and start taking some questions. If you have a question for um, for Lucas, go ahead and hit that request button, and you, I'll pull you up here in just a minute. So uh, it's time for Community Corner, and I'd love to have some people come up. And then also, if you can't come up, you can also post your question at the top, and we'll get to it there. Get your catnip and questions ready. It's time for you to take the stage for another segment of Community Corner. All right, Marv.OS, thanks for coming up on stage. Good to see you. Go ahead. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you, Marvos. How are you Great, doing? Great, man. Nice to see you, Lucas, as a co-host for once, instead of posting your space. Once again, this dude always is providing for the community day and night. I can firsthand tell you that no one works harder than Lucas. Um, he's a real staple in the community, and he's really under underrated and undervalued for like the, the value he gives to the community. I mean, I, I think a hundred percent he's, he's, uh, such an important part of people's experiences and building a tight niche community is so important in this space. Cause then you have someone you can go to, to trust. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Marvel, so you have a question for us or, uh, I mean, I had a question for you. Let's say, you know, without your background and, you know, technology and all this, how would you start in this field? For example, like a newbie like me, even though I'm not new, but like, let's say well, first day, how would you approach this whole new community? I would find somebody like me and then uh, listen to what I had to say. <laughs> that's what, that's how I great. do it. If you, hey. Especially when it, if it comes to marketing, I would definitely find or like promotion or like basically how to like just build distribution or anything like that. I would, I would just find the people that are, who are leading spaces on a regular basis and find the people I that find resonate with me and I would just fo start following those folks and start developing relationships kind of like how me and you did Marvos over you know extended period of time like I got to know you over months and months and months and I could tell you like I would never I I mean if you didn't come up and talk and if you didn't you know put in the time to like get to know we didn't put in the time to get to know each other I wouldn't have been as willing to participate in like you know, kind of like one-on-one, -on -one, like helping you through this whole process. And same with you. Like I, I would never have been like, have gotten as much out of you if I don't think I put in the time with you as well. So I think that's where it's at is building relationships, build as many as you can, especially if you hear folks talk and you find them like super appealing and they resonate with you. That's who you should build relationships with. And again, it's building a thousand true fans and that's how you do it. One by one. You mm -hmm. can't go out there unless you want to do spaces and like talk to lots of people, you could get a you know a thousand true fans a little bit quicker. But it's all about a thousand true fans. If they're buying, if they're buying your art, a thousand people are buying your art. You won. Mm. So, yeah, that that organic is. approach is so important. Yeah, and I'm glad you you said that because it's like it's so key to find people that really believe in you and what you're doing. And take time to find those people. Don't rush it. Yep, I agree. All right, Julie, I see you with your hand up. You can uh, go ahead and come off mute and uh, ask your question. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for hosting this space. Lucas, good to see you. I see Amy here as Always well. Always a pleasure. Nice to see everyone. Um, I am here because I am getting closer and closer to my first ever mint of my first ever uh, NFT project, which is really exciting. Um, I 
pretty new to this space with little background. I'm uh, come from a fine art background and transitioning my sketches into NFTs has been a, honestly such a joy. And finding this community has really brought about a lot of creative, um, a creative spark I've been missing for a while. So my project is the Fantone <laughs> project, which is kind of, you know, a nod to I my digital um, <laughs> design background with the Pantones, but kind of the whole point of the project is, you know, like I mentioned, bringing back the ghost of my creative self with the daily practice. Um, and it's been really exciting and really amazing. And now I'm kind of like at the point where I'm, I'm almost ready to mint. I'm going to drop the first 10, I think, and then slowly release two at a time until we reach the hundred sketches mark. Um, and I have, I, I feel excited, but super overwhelmed about like, where do I even start and what mistakes am I really looking to avoid with my first ever mint? It's interesting. So, you know, it's tough to say. All I could say is that your art is amazing. I love that you use pop, like basically a pop culture for graphic designers, especially for me, because I definitely have done a lot of graphic design and I saw your Pantone books and how you tie it to your amazing art. I think just you putting in the time in in these communities like you are doing and find, basically talking with us for sure is definitely helpful. And like I said, I've already found some some people that are that will buy your art right now. So um, I think you're <laughs> going to actually do pretty pretty well. The the um, in terms of minting, are you minting right from a website? Are you going to do your mint right from a website? Um, that was the plan. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I don't know enough about smart contracts to do that appropriately at this stage. But is that a mistake? No, I think you could do it. It's just you need to re find the right developer um, that that will help you out with the smart contract. So guess what? I know some people that I will connect you with. Okay. Right after the show. Great. I will, I will DM <laughs> you to remember. You. <laughs> uh, sounds Thank good. You. I, I look Thank forward you. to helping you. Yeah, sure. No I really, I appreciate the space, guys. Um, not to shill, but I'm super new to Twitter as well. So if anybody, um, my DMs are open. If you guys have any advice or, uh, you know, trips, tips that have worked for you here in Twitter, I would be so appreciative of them. And thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for Absolutely. coming up. It's always so amazing to hear the journey, like you said. And and I just love uh, when you come up and you're, you're, you're excited to enter the space. I mean, that excitement is contagious. And it just reminds me of when I first started finding uh, the space as well. So thank you so much for coming up and sharing and just hearing that joy always gets me so excited. Uh, Asif, I see you have your hand up. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I just had a question for both of you guys. So my question is that I can't buy NFTs. So what I do is I have a TikTok account and I promote projects through there. But I, I want to figure out, I want to ask you guys, what's like the best way I can reach out to projects where they don't think it's like a spam message or they can actually like take their time and, uh, you know, read it and they respond to me? Um, I would go into their uh, Discord. I would go in and talk to them in spaces. If they, you ever catch them on spaces, I would make sure and follow the leaders of that program or that project. And when they do it, when they do an audio cast like this, or they do uh, when they're in their discord, you could absolutely take part in that community and find out and ask the right questions and get in with the right people. That would be my idea to do so. And then just make sure you establish a, like a, relationship with them rather than just like going in and asking for something, mm -hmm. go in there and provide value first. Mm -hmm. Once you provide value, you can then say, 
here you go. And don't have, don't have expectations. Just provide value. And, and they usually people will offer you, is there anything I can do for you? You've provided me so much value. Mm, that's and powerful. Just, that's when you could say, hey, I would like this if you have this. Yeah, it's such an important so. thing to realize when you're, I always, I talk about uh, whenever you're entering the space to look um, below or around you first before looking up at everyone, because it's important to realize that there's other people just joining the space that the group of people that I kind of got to know joined the space months ago. And now some of them are doing amazing, powerful things. And, but, but we continue to build each other up. Um, and, and then at the same time, when you, those people will start to find you organically, the ones that you really want to reach, if you're just organically building connections with people. But if you have a certain project that you really like, start asking them what you could do to help them grow their their project, uh, and then they will start to maybe recognize your potential uh, instead of going into it. You can give a lot of hours of free uh, time if you really love this space, just helping find projects you love because you care about it. And I have people already ask me how they can help this show. Uh, and when when it comes time to when I can give something back to them, those are the first people I'm going to be giving back to because they want to help me out when I'm not asking for anything. Uh, and so find people that can you can help and that that you can grow trust with, uh, and and then it'll come back. Like uh, Lucas said at the beginning of the show, the uh, the good things come back to you in the space in really interesting ways. And it just, it, it, it proves itself time and time again. So give to people and guarantee you'll start to see it come back to you. Crime. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Uh, you're on stage. Go ahead. Hey guys. Good afternoon. I, uh, hope everybody's doing well, Definitely. but, uh, yeah. So, uh, my question is, uh, for you, Lucas, um, so how are large fintech companies like how are these people going to keep up uh with this sort of bleeding edge space of, of nfts and, and DeFi and, and and the tech sort of involved um you know these c-suites and these exec type people can't really be in spaces or you know go to discords as much as probably they need to be to be fully engrossed and immersed so so how what is the uh what are the strategies for these like big fintech companies basically to, to really get involved in, a, in an organic way. Oh, that's uh, that's actually one of the easiest questions you could possibly answer is hire somebody like you. Hire people from this community mm -hmm. and have them work for you as a consultant or a full-time like, you know, uh, DeFi expert, you know what I mean? Like in-house DeFi expert or in-house NFT expert or in-house all of the above expert. Mm -hmm. So that's basically it. Come to this community, listen to it, find someone you actually resonate with develop a relationship and then out in real life, like offer them a job and say, here's the deal. Like you are now our, our DeFi expert internally and you're going to help us now if you don't mind. And here's what we're going to, here's how we're going to pay you. And if you guys agree, then you have a new job. So I think that's the best way to do it. Very it's cool. Yeah. Experts. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. It's just so interesting to see all these emerging sort of new titles coming out like Twitter and discord being the, like the new age LinkedIn. So thank mm. you so much for that yeah. insight. Yeah. No, my pleasure.
And to just piggyback off that, I think it's interesting because I even have some friends in the space that just a month or two ago, they were at their real time, their their full time jobs, and now they've recently quit and they already have different projects asking them to come on board uh, and basically have full time salaries. I I know a couple people that were homeless and now have offered six figure offers because of the skills that they've grown um, just since being in the space for six months. So it's just insane as you continue you grow in the space and you know find your niche which is part of the it, the thing is you know find the space where you uh can bring value uh to me i i had a lot of trouble with that because i'm not an artist but when you find that continue to grow it and work on that craft because there is billions and billions of dollars that's going to come in the space and like you said lucas the ones that are going to excel are the ones that are going to embrace the community and they're going to want us to be a part of what they're growing but then also just a caveat to that you know uh, respect and appreciate what you've built so that you don't give it away to someone that's just buying you out because there's going to be a lot of that happening in this space. So always be cautious b- before you accept something because like Lucas said at the beginning of the show, the biggest thing that you can do is have your hobby and your passion and your job all intersect. And so if you start to give away that back to someone else or a corporation, you can lose that. So make sure you're passionate about whatever you agree to to become a part of after you grow yourself in this community. All right, Eva, I I saw you just got brought up on stage. Go ahead. Hi, Crazy Bat Crypto. Uh, Hi, Lucas, GM from a very early Queensland, Australia, GM. Yeah. Thanks for having me off. I appreciate it. Of course. Um, I'm an ex-editorial photographer from Queensland and just getting into um, this space fairly recently. So I am a bit curious and just learning, sitting back in spaces, learning a lot, especially from Lucas and Amy. So I appreciate so much the time that they put in here. Um, one question that I haven't really heard spoken about very much Um is when you are launching a new collection and Genesis collection, basically um, my style of work is, as far as I can really find, um, a bit niche. Um, and it is um, quite niche niche. And I'm wondering <laughs> when you launch a Genesis project with the psychology behind launching the best work that you have straight up, or do you wait Um, and launch not necessarily the very best of the best and wait until you get a bit more popular and then launch your more powerful pieces. And also in that, um, the psychology behind pricing maybe a first Genesis collection versus if they are rare, super rare one-of-one pieces or do you go with not necessarily one of one when you're starting out and not necessarily your most powerful pieces and not necessarily the highest prices to start with. Is there a psychology yeah. behind that or there, there is, but I mean, that's a, those are deep, long answered questions. I'll try to, ah, okay. I'll try to, I'll try to answer it here. Just for really Thank quickly. you. That's okay. Just pick one. If there's one that you think would. Yeah. Suit me. So when you do a Genesis piece, like let's say on foundation, a lot of people tend to pick one of their best, right? Not mm-hmm. the best, but one of their best. And when it comes mm-hmm. to pricing, that is subjective. So okay. super subjective. 
if you're starting out, uh, it depends on how big your collection too is. If you're just sending, if you're just launching so a one So 10 pieces. I will be doing 10 pieces, my first okay. collection. One and of ones. Be, is it going to be on OpenSea Foundation? OpenSea at this stage. Okay, that's good. Um, I would recommend taking at least one piece that's really solid and using mm -hmm. other pieces, because I think all your pieces are actually, in theory, are really, really solid, if you think about it. Because mm -hmm. One person might think what you think is amazing is amazing. And then one mm -hmm. thing, one piece that you think is okay, someone else might think is also amazing. They might be yeah. like, oh my God, that's my favorite piece. So yeah. if you're new and you haven't done anything, I would be as transparent with your community as possible in terms of pricing and say, hey, I've launched these first like five or 10 at this price. The next five or 10... I'm going to launch at this price. So just so you know, mm -hmm. this might be a good time to get these a get piece in. of mine now at this yeah. price because eventually I'm going to raise the price to this. Okay. So it's a very good strategy to actually put it out there in a very transparent way of like how you're going to structure your pricing so that no one goes, oh, well, you, you, you were asking 0.05 for a piece and now you're asking, you know, 0.1. And it's like, why? Mm -hmm. what's the deal with the price change or what's the deal with that? Like the thing is, when you're transparent with your with your buyers, your collectors, they love that. They love okay. the idea that you're you're informing them, and it also creates a little bit of fear of missing out. Of like, oh my god, I better buy a piece that I can afford Jump now in. because it's yeah. going to be yeah, it's going to be a piece that I I don't know if I can afford later because her prices are going to continue to increase, which basically means you the value of your art will increase because you've decided mm. to place a higher value on your art. So psychology of pricing is like, there's definitely like lots of strategies you can use and go with. And there's a okay. book out there, an older book called power pricing, but you know what? I've, uh, I've memorized it by now because <laughs> I read it back <laughs> when it first came out and, uh, you know, I'll help you with your pricing strategy if you like, and we can yeah. go through the whole, yeah, we can go through like a launch strategy and everything. That's no problem. Oh, cool. thanks so much, Lucas. Yeah, you're very welcome. Appreciate well, it. Know. That's Always. amazing, I, and I couldn't I couldn't agree. I mean, Lucas has a lot of knowledge in the space, so he, him giving you some tips is a is a great tool. Um, let's do one. Let's do one more question, Lucas. Let's do this. Uh, paranoid sure. Android. Go ahead. Are you there? Paranoid Android, thirty three. If not, we can bring up. Um, Dr. Proton. And... There he is. His mic came off. Go ahead. Oh, can you there hear you us? go. I can't hear him. Can you? Uh, no, I can't. We're going to, let's go ahead and try and bring up someone else for now. Dr. Proton. Hey, Dr. Proton. Hey, Lucas. Hey. All right. Hey, guys. Do you have a question for yep. Lucas? Hey, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I just want to say, um, I came across a tweet by Lucas one day where he said, um, keep showing up to where you're not welcomed and one day you will. Never since that day have I've been opening on almost all Twitter spaces that I've seen. Like I've been present in almost all Twitter spaces and so far I've um, developed friendship with a lot of people. I've had a lot of followings and I really want to thank you, Lucas, for that. And also, I'd like to ask, um, 
many of us have our different niches. Some are NFT collectors, some artists, and some are from the marketing end. So for me, coming from the marketing end, what do I need to do to have more traction um, in the community, in Twitter? What do I have to do to have promotions? I kind of lost you a little bit there, but um, I, I mean, putting in the time, putting in the reps, and also making sure you tweet and not tweet spam on your Twitter profile, which is basically asking people to buy your art on every tweet or every other tweet. I would actually start off with making sure your profile is up to date and actually has a nice link in the, pro link in the bio that actually drives to your artwork on all the platforms you're on. I also recommend pinning a tweet to your top with your artwork if it's on OpenSea or wherever you actually call home on, on these marketplaces. Those are two things that are super powerful. Leveraging also Twitter threads is very, very important. It's very time consuming, but very important. It allows you to tell a story with, uh, again, your, your narrative to each piece. And then at the end of each one of your threads, you should say, and if you like this thread, you can either ask them to retweet your thread because it's a great story, or you can ask them, basically ask them to say, if you like this thread, my art's below, take a look. Never ask someone to buy your art and uh, always just ask for them to look at your work. If they like it, they'll buy it. They don't need you to say it. And then the, uh, the, the, the quote I actually say, which by the way, you got very close to right, is show up where you don't belong because one day you will. And it might feel uncomfortable for you to show up places like spaces and be come up and talk. But eventually when you put in the amount of reps and people get to know you, all of a sudden you you belong there. You belong with us right away, mm -hmm. but you feel like you belong when you come up and talk. And then you feel like you hear us talk. We talk back, we communicate, we get to know each other. We share a story together. We share, we share some laughs together. And all of a sudden now, you don't feel uncomfortable coming to a space, communicating with any community because you've showed up enough to, to make you feel like you belong there. You, it's a feeling that you have. It's not a feeling that we have. You belong right away with us. Mm -hmm. It's that you feel like you belong. So that's the important part. Yeah, it, it, the imposter syndrome comes to mind. You know, everyone exactly. that's in this space, they feel like they're, it's, it, it, I felt the same way. You know, when I, I was watching all these people creating amazing NFTs and I'm like, I've been, I was in I was in crypto since 2017 18. I've been like waiting. I used to apply to like these companies because I'm not I I don't have the tech background, so I couldn't. I had so much trouble finding my place in the space, and so it's so important. And I can't uh, agree with with what Lucas is putting out there more than just like you you have to believe in yourself and then just start somewhere. You know, like I, I started this show with a few of, of the, my the people that I collected that I knew believed in me, and that's where I started. And then I had, you know, I had Beeple on my show and 2,000 people in this room uh, a, a week or two ago. And that's just, it's insane to me what's happened, but it, it started with not being afraid to just it, to do it and to start. And so I would just encourage you to continue to to just be there for other people because that's how, you know, I got my start. Just f continue to grow relationships. And when you find your niche and then it'll come back and reward you too. Thanks, Dr. Thanks so much guys. I really appreciate it.
Yeah, thank you so much for coming up here, too. We really appreciate you. And Lucas, this has been such an honor uh, to have you up here and share the stage with you. Um, you can tell the kind of community you've built by even just some of the people coming up on stage. And it really means the world to this community, the, the amount of energy you put in this space. So thank you so much. The honor is all mine and the pleasure is all mine. Thanks for having me on the show. It's amazing what you're doing as well. And I hope you keep doing this for the next like 10 years and you become wildly successful, my friend, because you deserve it. I appreciate that. I want, uh, I hope Crazy Carl becomes an identity for people um, that do have the imposter syndrome that can, you know, anyone can kind of embrace a profile picture. And we need to start embracing community uh, even more than we already do. And so I, I say it all the time, but like I want to create you know where we are crazy carl not just i'm crazy carl but this is like we are in this together and you do a good job on your show of that too so if you don't follow uh, lucas please follow me he has some amazing spaces and like you you've already seen just on stage here he takes time to interact and help um, this community so much so make sure to participate and get on his spaces and go to his shows and if you missed any part of this episode about the crazy about crypto show uh, um, I encourage you to go back and listen because a lot of amazing insights uh, were shared by Lucas and I'll upload that shortly on, on the Apple and Spotify podcast or you can go to the crazyaboutcryptoshow.com but it's been such a fun episode. Yeah. This has been another production of Guttercat Studios. All conversations with Crazy Carl are for educational purposes only. You should never take financial advice from a cat or anybody really, especially financial advisors. Take control of your own financial future and do your own research always. That's all for now. Until next time, we'll see you in the metaverse.